0: Good morning, everybody. Good morning. There we go. Excellent. So uh, today we're in week three of a several-week series on the 12 apostles. Uh, two weeks ago we looked at their callings, how did Jesus go and find them. Last week we looked at several of the passages of Scripture that are associated with where they are in Scripture, what they're known for, those types of things. Uh, and today we'll finish the, the second two-thirds. That's not right mathematically. We'll finish the second... I don't know how to say that mathematically. That's challenging. We're going to do the last eight today. Um, the remaining eight. Yes, there we go. So, a couple knowledge objectives as we're going through this series. Um, number one, to be able to list the 12 apostles. So we had a quiz last week. Several of you aced the quiz, which is good. Uh, to understand how they were chosen today, we're going to look at number three, to see the types of people God chooses. So, if you're note takers, that's your first blank. See the types of people God chooses. And number four, to better understand their personalities, because they are really all over the map, uh, really all over the map. So the three questions that we're looking at is what were they like, what were they known for, and what theology do we learn from them? So I'm going to give the same disclaimer this week as I did last week. Um, about a week and a half ago I had an MRI on my back and I'm laying in the MRI thinking about uh, how this machine works and what's going on and, and the MRI takes little bitty pictures and it slices and it puts all these little slicing pictures together to form a really good idea for the doctor of what exactly is going on. And when I think about the picture that we see in Scripture of these individuals, we get a little slice of somebody's life and we get a little slice of somebody's life and a little slice of somebody's life. And for several of the folks that we look at today, there will just be one Bible text where they interact with somebody. And we, 2,000 years later, draw all these assumptions from this one little interaction of this person's entire life. So I want us to be careful about this person was always this way. Probably not, actually. Because think about somebody describing your entire life from one interaction with you, or maybe even two. What if it was two bad days? Right? It's kind of like, ugh. Great. And somebody wrote that down and then made millions of copies of it and handed it out. Right? So so we're going to give them a little grace here a little bit uh, today. So last week we looked at Uh, the inner circle, the Peter, James, John, and Andrew, uh, and kind of where they were and what they're known for and whatnot. And today we're going to start with Philip. He's always uh, number five in the list of any of the apostles. So if you go to John chapter one, John chapter one, and on your handout is the, the Bible passages. So the second we finish with one, we're going to go to the right to the next one. We're going to go right to the next one. We're going to go right to the next one. And all of these today are in the Gospels, so we're in a very narrow range of Scripture, so it ought to be easy to... Flip and turn and keep up. So, John chapter 1, verses 44 to 46. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter, and Philip found Nathaniel, who's also known as Bartholomew, and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathaniel said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, Come and see. So, So one of the things that we skip past a lot of times is who knew whom? Who knew whom? Whom knew whom? Who knew whom? Which way is it? Who knew whom? Who knew whom? We'll go with that. Excellent. Uh, And the reality is, is that Philip and Peter and Andrew grew up together. So you're thinking about all these dynamics in this team of people that Jesus put together, these 12 individuals that he called to be his apostles, these three guys knew each other. They grew up in the same hometown. And the reason I say they knew each other is because at this time Bethsaida had somewhere between 600 and 800 people in it. So how many of you grew up in a town between less than 1,000 people in it? You grew up in a town less than 1,000 people? Did you know everybody you went to school with? Yeah. Well you, you kind There's not a lot of room to dodge that, right? So did you know who the troublemakers were? Yeah. Did you know who the good kids were? Do you know who the squirrels were? Chasing everything all the time, just running after things. Yes. So these guys knew each other, which kind of makes me wonder, when they saw, it's like, whoa, 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 I get why Jesus asked me, right? Because I'm awesome. But, but Philip? I mean, Philip? We're talking Philip here, Jesus. I mean, really. And Peter? Have you met Peter? I mean, do you, do you know that he's going to go chase after every single thing that runs across his path? Do you know that he's going to jump in and insert himself and just try to lead when you're the rabbi? Um, so, so one of these things I want you to remember is that these guys knew each other. They grew up together. So let's look at, go to John chapter 6, flip over a couple of pages. <clears throat> Something else about Philip. Uh, let's read the verse, first seven verses here. It says, After these things Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Then a great multitude followed him, because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, "He said to Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? So, so what's the question Jesus is asking? Where? He asks Philip, where? Okay? Now, when your rabbi asks you a question from what we've learned a couple weeks ago, What's the right answer? Ask a, ask a question back. To demonstrate that you understand the answer and the complexities involved with showing this person that, yes, I've got it. So, so Sean, if I'm your rabbi, Sean, what is four plus four? So I'm supposed to ask a question back. A question back that shows the same answer. Yeah, here you go. What is 6? Excellent. Fantastic. What is the uh, square root of 64? You see how these can get progressively more elaborate? Yes. Would you, would you want to have a rabbi teaching you calculus? No, you would not. This would be very challenging. So, so Jesus asked Philip, Philip, where shall we buy bread? Verse 6, but this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Jesus knew what he was going to do. And Philip answered him and said, Two hundred denarii or, or coins worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may have a little. Mm-hmm. What did Philip answer? Philip, Philip answered the how much. Philip was very analytical. Philip's calculating. Philip is how are we going to do how are we going to pull this off? And and I think actually that each one of the apostles is, is probably representative of types of people that we go to church with today, that you've probably been around somebody that, that immediately they go into problem-solving mode. It is, how are we going to tactically resolve this issue? I'm staring at you, Dave Barber. Yes. <laughs> now, the beautiful thing here is that there are problems to be solved, and we need people to solve problems. Right? Would everybody agree? Yes? There's half of you agree. Would you agree that there are problems to be solved, and we need people to solve problems? Yes, good, okay. But what did Jesus ask? Where? What did Jesus want to drive Philip to? Jesus wanted to drive Philip to himself. He wanted to drive Philip to Jesus. And Philip went to money. You get this? Because sometimes the answer really is Jesus. Philip, where are we going to get this bread? Well, Lord, you're the bread of life. Well, that would be like an A-plus answer. Or maybe, who is the bread of life that I am talking to? <laughs> right? That would have been really good. Um, this, is, this is amazing, this, uh, this principle that we learned from Philip. Uh, here's your blank. We calculate too much and do too little. We calculate too much and do too little. Um, we spend far too much time. Well, how, how are we going to go about doing this? How, just go do. Just go do. Um, so the other question that I want to answer for each one of the apostles is what theology do we learn from them? Uh, one of the beautiful things that I love about the fact that, that God decided at this point in time to drop Jesus Christ into the world is this rabbinical training program that all these uh, Talmudim would go into. So the Talmudine are the followers of a rabbi, and their job is to do everything the rabbi does, every single thing the rabbi does, and to ask the rabbi questions constantly and to be asked questions by the rabbi so that they become just like the rabbi. This is the goal. So, so we get the benefit of all these questions being asked directly to God. You see how beautiful this is? So, so we get to sit in this circle with the rabbi and go, you know, it's a good question. I probably would have asked that question, right? Because how many of you, if, if Gary Jared said, it's Easter at Coolidge, we got 10,000 people in the park, um, you know what? Let's give them a meal. Cool. Hey, Abby, where can we go buy bread for these folks? <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, Andrew's got a plan, right? Absolutely. Um, this is this the environment. You know, What are you going to do? How are you going to answer? And Philip goes into calculating mode. Well, you know, I know how much money I've got, and <laughs> it's not going to cover that. So, Where are we going to go with this? He's calculating, calculating. So we get to see what kind of theology we can learn because of their questions. So let's look at John chapter 12. Keep flipping over a little bit. John chapter 12. Look at verse 20. It says, Now there were certain Greeks among those who came up to worship at the feast. Then they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and asked him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus." So the fish are jumping in the boat, right? They're jumping in the boat. We want to see Jesus. This is, we're skipping the sermon. We're skipping the invitation. Somebody walks in the door and says, I'd like to meet Jesus. Oh, well, thanks for making that easy for us. What would you think that Philip should do next? Take him to Jesus. Verse 22, And Philip came and told Andrew. Does Andrew sound like Jesus? It is not the same word in the Greek. This is not a euphemism for Jesus. Philip came and told Andrew, and in turn, Andrew and Philip told Jesus. So it's almost like Andrew's got this, this encouraging, oh, I know the answer here. I can take him to our rabbi. But Jesus answered them, saying, this is Philip and Andrew, the hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly, I say unto you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my Father will honor. So we get to see this interaction because Philip decided to take a detour through Andrew. So this is Jesus' response to detours, that the Father honors those that serve Jesus. It sounds like he's talking to Philip here, to me. Philip, pay attention. If you honor me, if you bring people to me, this is what happens. So flip over two more pages. John chapter 14. This is my favorite, Philip. If I had a hashtag, it'd be a Philip facepalm, but this is, this is what I would go with. So John chapter 14, verse, I thought that was funny. You did not laugh. You need to step up your game here. Okay. Verse 1 Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. So who is speaking here? Jesus is speaking. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. And Thomas said, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him, the Father. And Philip said to him, "'Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us.'" Hashtag facepalm. Jesus just said, "'If you've seen me, you've seen the Father.'" Jesus said to him, verse 9, "'Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? "'He who has seen me has seen the Father. "'So how can you say, show us the Father?' Do you not believe... So, so when your rabbi starts peppering you with questions, this is a bad thing. Okay? Verse 10, So do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the words themselves. So some of the theology that we learn because of Philip's little face palm here is that Jesus is in the Father and the Father is in Jesus. So we get this more fully fleshed out understanding of how the Trinity actually works. So diagram that one for me. (laughs) I I can't draw it, but Jesus articulated it quite well here. There's an intimate relationship between the members of the Trinity. So that's some of the theology that we learned from Philip. So moving on to the next disciple, uh, Thomas. And depending upon the translation that you have, it may call him Judas Thomas, it may call him Didymus, um, he goes by several different names in the Gospels. So go to John chapter 11, and somebody tell me quickly the story of Lazarus' death. Somebody tell me the story of Lazarus' death. Got my drink. Somebody answer. He heard he was sick. Who heard who was sick? Um, Jesus and the disciples heard that Lazarus was sick. Yes. He delayed a day. Jesus delayed. Lazarus had died, and then Jesus decided to do what? Show. Ruin the funeral. <laughs> Absolutely, which is beautiful. It's one of my favorite phrases because Jesus ruins funerals. It's fantastic because if, if Jesus, if Jesus, if Jesus is the central point of the faith of the person that died. It's a good next step for the person that died because they're with Jesus. And if Jesus physically showed up at a funeral, things got weird. You you got to tell a story that nobody probably believed for a while because Lazarus did what? Wait, wait, Lazarus, no, 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 no. Lazarus did what? He walked out? He kind of stumbled probably because he was still kind of wrapped up. But yeah, he he got out of the grave. It's amazing stuff. So verse 14 in John chapter 11 Jesus says to them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. And I love this little phrase of Jesus, I'm glad for your sakes that I wasn't there. It's almost like I'd have kept him alive. It's okay, because now you're going to see the power of God in all this. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Now, go to him is a very specific phrase in the scriptures. You'll see this sometimes. Uh, David actually uses this phrase when his, uh, when his son dies. It's that that I'm going to go to him one day. And it's this <laughs> idea that in the next life, in the next version of how we do life, this is what I'm talking about. And Thomas thinks he's talking about death. So Thomas's response, it says, verse 16, Then Thomas, who is called the twin, says to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him, with Jesus. Because what did a, what did a Talmudine do? A Talmudine does everything that his rabbi does. So his, he thinks, he just heard Jesus say, we're going to go die with Lazarus. And Thomas says, sign me up. Uh, okay. Doesn't quite have the same ring to it as the doubting Thomas that we hear about all the time, right? Because this Thomas, here's your blank, is incredibly loyal. Incredibly loyal. Sign me up. Let's go die. Let's go die with Jesus. Okay. That's kind of cool. Now, we're going to talk about the doubting part next week, of the part after um, uh, after the crucifixion, and we'll look at what happened to all the disciples then. Uh, but... This idea that sign me up, let's go die with Jesus, that's pretty powerful stuff. And then the theology that we learn from Thomas, we actually just read in John chapter 15 because Thomas asked a question and Jesus responded, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So, Pastor, um, has that text, the way, the truth, and the life, provided you concise sermon material over the course of your career? Oh, dozens of times. Absolutely. So are you thankful for Thomas's question that Jesus could package a response just like that? absolutely this it is why it is so helpful to have these guys asking these questions because we get oh so that's a that's a neat way to answer somebody's question about well well i'm I'm fearful about death well jesus is the way the truth and the life so let's talk about him that'd be good he packages things for us in a way that that we can understand so the next disciple is bartholomew or depending upon your translation uh, nathaniel Uh, bartholomew is his greek name and nathaniel is the hebrew name uh, depending upon your version or your, uh, the book of the Bible that you're in, it may be one or the other. So let's look at John chapter one, so flip back. We haven't left John yet, have we? They we were just hanging out in John. John cared about people. He talked a lot about individual people and called them by name and was concerned about the specific names. Uh, so John chapter one, and we actually looked at this text in week one of this series. So verse 43. Uh, the following day, Jesus went to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, Follow me. And Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. And Philip found Nathanael, or Bartholomew, and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law. And also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, insert your sarcasm font, uh, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And, and Nazareth was just kind of this backwoods, almost the redneck portion of Israel at the time. Um, they interacted with Gentiles this is something you didn't do um, just a lot of not very good stuff so, so if we want to get a picture of what Nathaniel was like just from this one sentence what would you say he was like maybe a little sarcastic maybe a little I'm going to tell you what I think maybe a little blunt uh, what's that maybe a little pessimistic right? I mean, your answer, the answer that we've been learning about all of our lives is going to come out of that town? I mean, really? Saudi Daisy is going to produce the Messiah, (laughs) right? I mean, yes, yeah. Shelbyville Shelbyville is going to produce a Sunday school teacher, right? Yeah, no kidding, right? Um, And Philip said to him, and I love Philip, just come and see, just come and see. And Jesus saw Nathaniel coming toward him, and said of him, "Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no deceit or fraud or hypocrisy." Now, now, has anybody ever heard somebody at church be accused of being a hypocrite? Yes, you've heard this. Okay, at church, at church after church, after church <laughs> before church, during church, in the middle of church, uh, texting that during. I mean, it's just this is a common theme, right? And Jesus himself says, this guy is not a hypocrite. Okay. That's actually, that's actually a pretty big compliment, right? A pretty big compliment to have Jesus look at your life and say, you are not a hypocrite. I'll take that. I think that would be pretty awesome. So what does Nathaniel do with that comment? Nathaniel says to him, in verse 48, how do you know me? And Jesus answered and said to him, before Philip called you... When you were under the fig tree, I saw you. And we talked about this under the fig tree phrase being a euphemism at this time for when you were meditating on Scripture. Fig trees provided a lot of shade. It was an easy place to sit and just think. So when you were meditating on Scripture, I saw you. And Nathanael answered to him and said, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Which seems like a pretty quick trip from I saw you meditating on Scripture to the King of Israel. Does anybody else think that's a a short distance? And Jesus did too. Verse 50, because Jesus Jesus answered and said to him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And yes, he did. Yes, he did. Verse 51, Jesus said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, hereafter you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. He's going to see all sorts of fun stuff in this little little endeavor. So next we get to Matthew. Uh, he's also called Levi in a couple different places. Uh, in Matthew chapter nine verse 9, we learn that it says, uh, as Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man named Matthew. This is also the author of Matthew. Um, Mark and Luke call him Levi, uh, sitting at the tax office. and Jesus said to him, "Follow me, so he arose and followed him. So your blank is, Matthew is a tax collector. We talked a couple weeks ago about tax collectors and how that the, um, there was, uh, there are rabbis, and then there are people that are of honest trade, and then there are criminals, and then there is pawn scum, and then there are murderers and torturers, and then there are terrorists, and then there are people that kick puppies, and, and then there are tax collectors. Okay, so this was the hierarchy. And maybe underneath that were the Romans. Maybe. Maybe actually above the tax collectors were the Romans. Because these folks were Jews that worked on behalf of the oppressive Romans. Okay? So I think the example that I used was if Iran invaded our country and set up shop and drafted Americans to tax other Americans on Iran's behalf in America, how would you feel about those people? Not good. Not good. I'm not going to like those. I'm not going to like those folks. And this is who Jesus called. He called a tax collector. Now, one of the reasons that the people hated the tax collectors is that they cheated, because there wasn't necessarily a website, IRS.gov, where you go and you look up what your tax rate is at that point. Because one of the ways that the Romans said they drafted people into this was they would say something of the equivalent of, "If you come and work for us and do this. Anything that you get more out of than what you need versus what they give you, you can keep. So they were extortionists. They lied to people and they skimmed off the top. And we know this about Matthew because of Luke chapter 5. So flip over to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, verse 27. After these things, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax office. And Jesus said to him, follow me. So he left all, rose up, and followed him. Then, verse 29, same day. Then Levi gave him a great feast in his own house. Now, how do you give somebody a great feast in your own house? You got bank. Right, your blank is he was rich. He was rich. Which I love this because he called some poor fishermen and he called some rich tax collectors. Socioeconomic status does not matter. Yes. This is good. Matthew's calling is good for Americans because we are filthy rich in the eyes of the world. We are the Matthews in the world. Okay. There's a great number of tax collectors and others who sat down with them. I like Matthew here though because Matthew starts to follow Jesus and then he invites all his friends over to meet Jesus. In fact, maybe he's going to draft some of them too. That would be kind of cool. Verse 30, And their scribes and the Pharisees complained against his disciples saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So the theology we learn from Matthew is that Jesus came for sinners. Which is good to know because we is one. This is good. So now we get to the third, third, and and if you haven't noticed already, the volume of text describing each one is shrinking rapidly. It's going to shrink substantially more with this last third. So the next is Simon the Zealot or Simon the Canaanite, um, and, and we think that this is uh, that this Simon is actually only present in the list of the apostles. So how does that make you feel about, I, would, I followed him for three years, and I only got listed in the lists. Like Really? I said some stuff too. I had some good questions, right? So Simon, here's your blank, was a zealot. He was a zealot. Now, if you think about the, the religious movements of the day, you had Pharisees, you had Sadducees, and you had... Zealots. Okay? Normal people are at that end of the room. The Pharisees were all about, you've got to tick and tie everything, your life has to be perfect, it's all about the appearance, it's about doing everything right. The, the Sadducees were, were kind of somewhere in here, but the Zealots, the Zealots were way over here. The Zealots, we actually wouldn't use the word Zealots today, we would use the word terrorist. Okay, The reason we would use the word terrorist, the zealots were okay with physical harm to the occupying nation. They were okay killing Romans to get them out of Israel because this is God's country. You should not be here. Does this sound like anything that's happening in the world today? Yes. This has not stopped. This is still going on. There are zealots alive today. This is who Simon was. Now, think about this, guys. Think about these 12 people that Jesus is bringing together. Jesus has brought together somebody who is collecting taxes for the Romans and somebody who has aligned themselves with killing them because they are here. <coughs> How do you think that small group went? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, really. Somebody whose job it was to support the establishment to fund the man and then somebody whose religious belief said we should kill them. So at your next small group feel free to invite the, uh, I don't know what you would call them, the head of the Chattanooga Tea Party and the, uh, I don't know, the, the man who is printing I Support President Obama bumper stickers and ask him, button, yeah. ask him to get along, right? <laughs> Ask them to get along. So the thing I love about this is that just like we saw with Matthew's call, Jesus is not worried about socioeconomic status. Jesus is not worried about political alignment here either. Both ends of this spectrum, I mean, far ends of this spectrum come to me. He is doing something by putting this group of people together that should be communicating to us. Grace draws a circle so big and puts everybody inside. This is not, this is just for us. This is a huge, huge circle. Does this make sense? Does this make us a little uncomfortable? You're like, well, they don't believe what I believe. Guess what? It ain't about politics. I did not expect any amens, but I'll say it again. It ain't about politics. So, that's Simon the Zealot. We don't have any passages where he does anything other than just get listed. That's it. So how do you feel about that? How do you feel about your role? I just get listed in the list. That's still pretty cool. (laughs) You got to walk with Jesus for three and a half years, so it's a pretty awesome box to check. So then we come to Thaddeus, whose name I have been spelling incorrectly this entire time, and nobody corrected it. So Thaddeus has two A's in it. I've just been putting one in it. So all you OCD folks, you missed that one too. Uh, So John 14 John 14. Thaddeus goes by Judas. And and he also there's a lot of Judases in the Bible. But uh, in the New Testament, there's one time, and it's John 14, where the Bible says Judas, parentheses, not Iscariot. It's like, oh, where where'd this dude come from? Well, this is also Thaddeus. He also goes by Labaius. Trust me, it's it's like a yeah, it's difficult to keep all these guys straight. So John chapter 14, verse 19. A little while longer, and the world will see me no more. Jesus is speaking here. But you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. At that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Jesus did this thing a lot. The ends. He who has my commandments and keeps them is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father and I will love him and manifest my love to him. That sounds great, right? Judas, see it? Parentheses, not Iscariot, which poor dude had to introduce himself like this the rest of his life, I'm sure, right? Like, hi, I'm Judas. No, not Iscariot, not Iscariot, right? Um, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Now, this, this is a great question. This is a great question because what did Jesus constantly speak in? He constantly spoke in parables, right? And one of the was there a couple times in scripture where it talks about he did this on purpose to keep people in the dark. What? Yep, sure did. Because there were things that he only wanted his inner circle folks to understand and know at that time. There was a time to release certain information and release certain knowledge and release certain understanding. So if you're wondering why when you get saved. He doesn't just dump all truth in your lap and you understand everything because that's not the way He works. He's going to release the amount of truth that we need at the time that we need it, the amount of understanding, the amount of comprehension. So what does the text say? He says, How that will you manifest yourself to us and not to the world? How are you going to let us see it and not everybody else? And Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. What? Did he answer the question? Let's read that again. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. So how will you manifest yourself to us and not to the world? We will know you by your love. So the Father and Jesus are looking for displays of love. Oh, he's mine right there. Yep, she's mine. That's fantastic. Yep, right there. She's mine. Yep, he's mine. That's how we're going to know. That's how they know. Jesus lovers are obedient. So last we get to last we get to Judas Iscariot, right? No parentheses, not. Uh, so we know that he betrayed Jesus, uh, and in several of the lists actually we, it lists all the apostles, and then it says Judas who betrayed Jesus. So just just to make sure, and it, it always has made me felt like the other Judas, the not Iscariot, said, "Can you can you put that in there just to just to make sure it's him? It's not me. It's him. It's not me." So uh, a couple things you may not know is that uh, Satan actually entered Judas uh, and th- this was part of that process of betrayal. Uh, so this was not just uh, Judas acting alone, this was Satan entered him. Um, Judas was also uh, a bit of a tightwad, I think. Uh, John chapter 12, uh, this is the story where... Uh, Mary, there we go. I was looking for the, the name. This is a story where Mary comes and anoints Jesus' what? Feet with what? Very oil. Her very expensive oil and mops it up with her hair. hair. I mean, can you, can you get any more humble and lowly than I'm going to wash your feet with my hair? I mean, this is, this is as base as one can get. And, and this was expensive stuff. This was not oh, I got it at the Dollar General across the store, across the street. This is incredibly expensive stuff. And Judas pipes in when he sees this, uh, verse 4 of John chapter 12. He says, why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? A denarii is about a day's wages. Which is a year's wages. It's a year's wages. You just dumped out on the ground. Why? We could have done this. We could have sold this and given it to the poor, which sounds like a wonderfully spiritual thing to say, doesn't it? Doesn't it though? We can help the poor with this. The poor. And Jesus' response is wonderful. <clears throat> Verse 7 But Jesus said, Let her alone, for she has kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor you have with you always, but me you do not have always. It's like, boom. Um, so the theology uh, Judas Iscariot was also the treasurer, he had the money box in John chapter 13. But the theology that we learn here is that the poor will always be with us. And so will apostates. That's the way this works. That's the way this works. So what's the point, Jim? Well, Jesus was intentional about the diversity. He was very intentional about this diversity. You would not accidentally put this group together. <laughs> this is not... No, 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 no. Uh, Jonas, what do you do for a living, buddy? You're staffing coordinator. So... Uh, Would you, after having interviewed these 12 guys, say, this is a great team. You should work together. No, you would not, right? This is absolutely not because your objective is different than what Jesus' objective was when putting this team together. Jesus is communicating a lot to us through this. So he was very intentional about this diversity. So what do I do with that? Well, appreciate the diversity. Look across the room today and say, hey, she's not like me. He's not like me. That's Okay. Because Jesus could have excluded me and the ones like me from his love and his grace, and he didn't. He drew that circle very, very big. Number two, questions are critical. So, what do I do with that? Ask away. Ask away. And number three, roles are not fair. They're really not. There are times when you're just going to show up on a list, there are times when they may misspell your name on the list, there are times when they may leave your name off the list okay, roles aren't fair. That's not what this is about. This is about Jesus getting honor and Jesus getting glory, not us. So number three is be content. What do I do with that? Be content. Whatsoever state I am, I find will be content. I will be content. I will be content. So that's the characters of the apostles. So you see that they are characters in the the crazy sense and characters in the physical literary sense. Yes? Did Did I skip James on purpose? The first one on top. top. Uh, Oh. (laughs) Absolutely. That's exactly what I did. Wonderful observation. Yes, that's part of Ask Away. Very much so. Thank you for bringing that up. That's, that would be... I, I will do that on purpose the next time I do this, though, in 10 years. So that's fantastic. Jonas. that was the same question? Excellent. <laughs> Thank you for paying attention. I appreciate that. Uh, no, so next week we look at... Next week we look at what happened to them after the cross. So the cross happens, and then what happens? And there's a portion where we know in Scripture what happens, and then there's a bunch of stuff in church history that we know what happens and where they kinda of went and what happened to them next. So we're gonna look at all that stuff next week as well as when you walk into some setting and you see what you think is some religious symbol, it's probably pointing back to one of these guys. So I'll have pictures and illustrations and all sorts of different things of in the handout as well as some pictures on the screen about when you see this thing in Hickson, this is meant to drive your brain here. So we'll look at that stuff too. So uh, thank you for coming today. Uh, make sure you got your prayer requests on your handout. At the top there of the handout is a link to go and help with uh, funding uh, Angelina's uh, therapy. So if you're not sure, if you hadn't heard what that's about, follow that link, check it out. Please help. It's a great need. Uh, a lot of support is needed, and we're going to pitch in and help. So the uh, yeah, and if, she, if you try to give anonymously, she's going to try to figure you out. So we'll all do it at the same time and mess her little plan up here. So. Hey, Uh, So pray as a table, uh, and you are dismissed. Thank you for coming for Sunday School today.